0: Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time.
1: Because now it's working. Everything's working. I clicked that red button. I swear. This is so weird.
0: Dude, I'm telling you, it's something.
1: I, I I guess I didn't say something correctly. Hi, I'm Charlie, and I'm from the Spirit Keeping episode.
0: You might remember Charlie from the Spirit Keeping episode on February 24th, 2021. We couldn't get the recording to save when he used his real name. So, Charlie, he will remain. That original episode was recorded at the very beginning of his spirit-keeping journey. And in the months since then, he's unlocked new abilities and ways of communicating with his spirit companions.
1: Spirit-keeping to me was kind of just like this big exploration. Like, I really didn't expect it to go anywhere. And it became very real. (laughs) And it kind of rocked my world.
0: After he successfully tasked his spirit to help his friend get rid of an entity, a story that he recounts on the spirit-keeping episode, Charlie wanted to take things to the next level.
1: Well, I, I really want to understand how to communicate with my spirit correctly and, and see if I can have some kind of line of communication.
0: So he signed up for the Pathfinder program offered by Elle and Aldwin Royo from the Spirit Keeping Part 2 episode on August 4th, 2021. They are spiritual advisors who help new spirit keepers form better connections with their keep.
1: After making some kind of contact with my spirit, like the next thing, obviously, that I wanted was to see my spirit, to to see an entity, to see a ghost. And, you know, I I, I talked to Elle about it and, and she warned me like, hey, like this doesn't happen to everyone. It's like a very rare occurrence. And you kind of have to hone in on the strengths that you have. And and that was really hard for me. Like for uh, like two or three months, I just was like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not seeing anything. Until one day I was kind of sitting down and in the back of my head, I heard a voice. And that voice didn't sound like my own internal voice. And this female voice that definitely didn't sound American just was just like hello and it shocked me so much because like I just wouldn't think of that it came out of the blue and I would just hear it once in a while I might hear laughter and I told Elle about it and she said I think your spirit is actually trying to reach out to you in kind of a telepathic way um, and when I when I first heard that, it, it was very hard for me to understand it wasn't me. Like, I, at one point, I was just like, am I schizophrenic? Am I making this up? I have, a, like, a really wild imagination since I was a kid. So I kind of was like, is this just, like, having a crazy imagination? Am I just trying to will something in existence? And I brought all these things up to Elle, and Elle was like, take deep breaths. Just humor me. And do it for three weeks. And let's see where it goes. And slowly but surely um, the voice started talking to me and it had its own personality it had its own way of talking as in like its speed like it very much was its own thing i know one thing when i asked l was like hey how quick should a response be like how would i know that it's not me or if it's actually something else communicating. And she was like, if you get a response within like a second or two, and it's like you're having an actual conversation with someone else, I get she was just like, your mind can't really process that fast. If you're waiting and you hear it for like 10 or 15 seconds, and you finally get a response, it might be you. Um, and so like, the when I started talking to this voice it'd be a very clear conversation. Like I was just sitting next to someone and the responses were so quick and so unique in its style of talking that it it kind of surprised me. And I think what that allowed me to do was to really understand that I need to stop and listen and know what my strengths and gifts are and really, you know, lean into that and trust it. Almost a year later... After getting into this, I, I can definitely say 100% this is real. We are not alone. And there are entities and spirits that communicate with us daily. But it's not just about sight. There are other ways of communication.
0: I feel like we tend to put a lot of emphasis on seeing the paranormal. You need to see it to believe it. If you can't capture it on camera, it's not real. But that severely limits our understanding of the spirit world to one measly sense. Spirit shows itself to us in so many different ways. And that's what today's episode is about. First, I read a story about a ghost who harassed a family for years. Then, I speak with Jeff Natividad, whose apartment had an angry energy. And finally, I tell the tale of a girl who could see someone that no one else could. Chapter 1. Adam. Submitted by Anonymous. Hi, I've been a longtime fan of yours and for a while have been considering sending in one of the many supernatural stories my family has. I'm no writer, but I decided to do my best and share our experiences with Adam. For some backstory, my grandma has always had some kind of connection with supernatural things— She believed in reincarnation and karma heavily, but had no specific religious beliefs. I grew up Christian, and it was pretty well ingrained in me to believe it. But the way my grandma just existed combated those ideas frequently. For example, she believed that in a past life, she was hung in the Salem witch trials, and some years later, when battling cancer, she had radiation scars on her neck, that looked an awful lot like rope burn. When my grandmother was in her late teens, she was very popular at parties because if she so much as laid a pinky on a Ouija board, it would go crazy. My grandfather, a very big skeptic, told me he would write page after page of the words that my grandma would get from the Ouija board. Through these many encounters, she met Adam. He was a recurring presence whenever she was near a board. Over time, this is what she had learned from him. Adam claimed in a past life, he and my grandmother were married and he was apparently abusive. They had no children and he was probably the reason she died. The interactions with Adam went on for a good couple of years until my grandmother decided she didn't want to use the Ouija board anymore. I don't really know why she stopped She never told me, and she isn't around anymore for me to ask. But I think it had to do with my mom being born. I'll never know for sure. She later found the ghost did not enjoy being ghosted for about seven-ish years, because when my grandmother, after all that time, was asked to participate with some friends using the Ouija board, Adam showed up. And he was furious. My grandmother was still unbothered by his threats and tantrums until he threatened my mom, a literal child at the time. Adam said he was going to take her daughter away, that she was his now. Essentially, if I can't have you, I'll have her. This sent my normally very calm grandma into a rage. She went around their house yelling how he was not welcome, he had no power here, his time had passed, and he needed to leave. After this, my grandmother never had any more issues with Adam, but she also never touched a Ouija board again. I wish the story ended there, but sadly, Adam did find a way to my mother, just not the way anyone expected. When my mom was 15, her first boyfriend was a 22-year-old piece of garbage named, you guessed it, Adam. That is too crazy of a coincidence to not be connected. Either way, Adam left his mark on my family. Sometimes I worry, as the next female on my grandma's line, if when I feel eyes watching me, I'm being paranoid or Adam is still angry about being ignored. Adam never manifested himself visually to her grandma. She interacted with him only through the Ouija board. And yet, this being was still able to cause so much stress on this family for years. That's one of the most heartbreaking things to me when I hear stories like this. Invisible trauma is still trauma. And even when you do your best to remove yourself from a situation, that doesn't automatically mean that the fear ends. Are there any people in your life who, even if they're not physically around, are still affecting you? Chapter 2. My Heavy Apartment
2: Um. So, about five years ago is when I was at uh, the hype of my bartending career.
0: This is Jeff Natividad, head of External Outreach and Partnerships for Filipino Fridays podcast.
2: And um, I was making a lot of money, which like I've never seen. So I decided to move downtown Montreal just so I could be closer to work. And uh, so I decided to live in uh, one of the older apartments. It was still pretty expensive, but affordable. And just a bunch of things started happening. So... Uh, so the first experience when we first moved in um i first moved in with my roommate and uh, him and his girlfriend had just left uh for vacation like once they moved in they're like okay we're gonna go to eastern quebec you know we'll leave at three o'clock let's party whatever so they leave at three i'm having a hard time falling asleep and just when i'm about to fall asleep at around three thirty, the fire alarm goes off uh the central fire alarm Uh, It's not the personal one. It's the one where it's like uh, the whole building is is notified like, hey, there's a fire, get the hell out. So this went on for about 10 minutes before it shut off by itself. And uh, the next day I asked my neighbor, I was like, yo, did you hear the fire alarm? It was pretty loud at four in the morning. And she looked at me all confused. She's like, what fire alarm? And I explained what happened. She said there was no alarm last night. So I thought to myself, maybe she's like a deep sleeper. So uh, I went to see my building manager to pay my rent. And I told her what had happened. She's like, oh, uh, there, there wasn't any alarm. I don't know what you're talking about. Like she looked into the system and none of them went off. So I shrugged it off thinking, you know, I didn't think it would be paranormal or anything. I'm just like, oh, maybe it's just like a loose wiring or something. Uh, a few weeks later, my roommate and uh, some of our friends, uh, we were having a friends giving dinner. Uh, where we were preparing the table and he was coming from the kitchen with some food and uh, the ceiling boob fell and hit his shoulder. When we first moved there, uh, a couple of lights were burnt out. So we replaced them and we made sure that all the screws were tightened properly to the ceiling boobs uh, that were on top of our apartment. And that's when I started realizing like something's wrong. This is the second thing that's happened. That's weird. Uh, and then one day, a couple months later, I was at work at the airport, and my ex had told me something weirds happening, and she doesn't know. Like, she keeps putting her iPhone on the table. She had a brand new iPhone, and it ends up on the floor. Like every time she would go to the kitchen, go to the washroom, whatever, it would always end up on the floor. And my ex used to be very meticulous with this type of thing. She she likes having she likes to keep them nice and fresh and no scratches or anything. So she'd always put it like on her laptop, uh, cover so it wouldn't scratch. And she calls me all like, something's weird. Like my phone's always on the floor. I don't understand it. Uh, and then she ended up picking me from work and she was a little shook. She didn't want to go home right away. So she's like, yo, let's go eat out. And she was telling me, she's like, after we ordered our food, she was telling me, oh, I felt really uneasy in the house or in the apartment. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I was cooking food and I felt like something was watching over my shoulder. Like, like a curious feeling, like, you know, like, hey, what are you doing type of thing? But there was nobody in the house with her. So I'm just like, okay, something's wrong now. <laughs> so this is maybe like a couple weeks after again. Uh, My ex and I were doing the dirty, dirty. And as clear as day, I can hear a heavy and dark voice say, Jeff, better stop that. And then with like a really deep, dark voice, like, right now. And I completely froze and jumped off of my girl. I I looked back at the door where like I heard the voice coming from. And I swear on my life that I saw a black shadow lurking near the living room and slowly moving out of sight (laughs) it's like one of those moments where I got really freaked out I was like yo we have to get out of here so
0: the story continues after the break Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel, and also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me, so do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Before the break, Jeff had just heard a loud, angry voice in his bedroom, and he and his ex gathered their things and immediately left the apartment.
2: Uh, we, we got dressed and drove into the night. Uh, so from Montreal to Cornwall, which is in Ontario, it's about like a two-hour drive. <laughs> we went to Cornwall, we came back to Montreal, and I still didn't want to go home, so we drove for another three hours. And I still didn't want to go back. So I'm like, yo, can we sleep at your parents' place tonight? Like I can't, I can't, I can't go back there. Uh, so we came to uh, her place at about 5 a.m. And I, I still couldn't believe what was happening. I, I couldn't sleep. I, I was like, what the hell just happened? We came back in the afternoon at four o'clock in the afternoon. And all of the lights were off, but neither of us remembered shutting any of them. Like we got out of there so fast and the lights were all off. It didn't make sense. Fast forward a few months later. So just to give you a timeline, this happened within like a year that I started dating my ex and uh, my ex had done some messed up thing. then, you know, that forced us to break up. And after she left, I felt a little sad and depressed or you know, whatever feelings you get when you break up with somebody, which is it's normal. Uh the difference with this breakup is that I've always like I always wanted to be in the room, the one place where I was always scared of. I wanted to just be there, just I don't know. It was it's like a weird feeling. Like, like sorry, I'm I'm getting emotional talking about this. It's um yeah, no. It's it was weird because I wanted I always wanted to be in the dark, and I kept uh, feeling like this heavy presence, and like my thoughts and actions would always be like, you know, violent ones. And uh, if anybody knows who I am, they know me. Like, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> I'm five foot seven, but I'm like, you know, big muscular guy. But like, you would know me as the happiest guy in the world. Like, always a smile on my face, and this was like the total opposite of who I was I really felt like whatever negative or sad feelings I had was intensified I don't know it was it's weird because being a bartender downtown this is the thing you know like <laughs> it's not the most lucrative job out there but you make a ton of money and you get to always enjoy it with your friends and you know, you go to work to have fun. You go to work to get drunk, you know. But like when everything just went downhill, I just wanted to stay away from everyone. Like I, I, I don't know. It's it's like I turned into a different person. Like I 360 so hard. Like I've been through breakups before. But not like that. That was the scariest thing. And I wish that on no one. <laughs> like whatever I felt. I don't wish that on it. like, I was thinking violent thoughts. It didn't make sense. It's really not who I am. Uh, The more I I chilled in the room, like, the angrier, and I feel like the dangerous, the more dangerous I got. So I had to move out, uh, look uh, for someone to take my uh, lease transfer and take over the apartment. <clears throat> and uh, this is where things actually got a little bit interesting because um, I did some investigation and asked, uh, I asked all of my neighbors. I was like, you know, did do you guys ever experience any paranormal things or any weird things that happened since you moved here? And there was this one tenant that was living on the fourth floor that's like, well, I've been living in this apartment for 30 years and I've lived in your apartment specifically uh, no paranormal things have happened, but prior to moving in, she had heard that uh, there was a guy who was beating his wife and uh, ended up killing his kid. And that's like when everything clicked. Like <laughs> You know when you have that aha moment and everything links inside of your head and you're just like, oh man, this is why this is happening. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, my ex was feeling like a curious, like there was like a curious kid around her or whatever, watching her moving her things. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, Yo, that must have been the child. The ceiling boob and the alarm going off must have been like, you know, the woman telling us, get the hell out, you can't be here. And like all those violent and dark shadows must have been the man. <laughs> this is like a little bonus there. Um, I ended up lease transferring my apartment to these university girls. And like, they were pretty cool. So we kept in touch and we were talking all the time. And, um, you know, I would pick up my mail that would still go there. At one point, I'm like, yo, where's your other friend? You were three to lease this apartment. Where's your other friend? And she's like, well, she was being weird, I'm like, what do you mean weird? Like she was saying some things and then it's as if our friendship didn't mean anything. And then she ended up leaving. I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Like, what do you mean? Like, do you feel like she was possessed? Like, you know, I said it as a joke. Do you feel like she was possessed? Uh, Like, well, what's happening? And then she she ends up finishing off with, well, it all started that one night when the bedroom walk-in closet knob was shaking that one night. And I felt a hand holding me. The thing is, my roommate was in front of me. I could see her. There's nobody else in the apartment. And I didn't want to turn around. I was too scared. And that's when I knew, okay, this place is haunted. Like, end of story, shut case. It's a good thing I moved out.
0: Because Jeff was already in a dark place, the negative energy in his apartment took advantage and sunk him deeper. That is the danger of these entities. You can't stop yourself from being emotionally attacked if you don't know that you are being attacked. Jeff was able to recognize what the apartment was doing to him, so he removed himself from that building and was thankfully okay. But for some people, that still may not be enough. If you believe that your friends or family are depressed, let them know that you are there for them in however way they need you. Depression can haunt someone without them knowing. Chapter 3. Dave. Submitted by Ray. Hello Sapphire. I have been listening to your podcast since snarled and was sad when you left, so I can't tell you how excited I was when I came across your new podcast. Proud of you, by the way. The stories you've shared have helped me gain the confidence to share my first encounter with the other side. Here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Growing up, I was a very imaginative child, which meant that I was always living in my own world. And sometimes I would want to share my adventures with the people in my life, though I felt at times that no one cared whenever I did. My mom and dad were always busy or too exhausted to entertain it. The only person who showed interest in what I had to say was my friend, Dave. I met Dave one night when I woke up from one of my many night terrors, and he was just standing beside the bed. I wasn't sure why, but I was calm when I first saw him. Dave would tell me that he was my special friend, and that he was the number one fan of my stories. I could tell that Dave was not my age, though. He was a giant compared to my small stature, and his voice kind of reminded me of James Earl Jones, the man who voiced Mufasa in The Lion King. When I tried to tell my parents or my aunt, they weren't concerned at first and just thought that I had made a new imaginary friend since I was around that age and, like I said, very imaginative. I began to spend more time with Dave. He would always watch my favorite movies on repeat and never complain he would stay with me at night to keep the monsters away and he always seemed to be invested in my stories interacting with me by giving different reactions smiled whenever the main character won whatever battle my 5-year-old brain could come up with shocked when i threw in an obvious oncoming plot twist and sad when the story got worse for the hero he always allowed me to talk his ear off about the most random things and whenever pushed me away with sorry honey but i have work to finish Or with, in just a minute, knowing it'll be longer. About a year later, my habits still continued, not really talking to anyone aside from Dave, who around that time, I found out that no one else could see but me. My dad explained to my mother that maybe I was just emotionally attached to my friend and that when I started school full-time, that would all change. My mother, being the more spiritual one of my parents, felt that my tie to Dave was deeper than what was coming off. So one day, he was sitting beside me, and my mom came up and asked if my friend was there. I said yes, and gestured to where he was sitting. Even though she couldn't see anyone, she still waved at the area I pointed to when I introduced her. Then she asked me what my friend's name was. It was then I realized I hadn't told anyone his name before. Dave, I told her confidently. She turned to face me, eyes widened slightly, and asked me to repeat the name. When I did, her demeanor still hadn't changed. She just sat in front of me, passing her gaze between me and the area where Dave was sitting. After a few minutes, my mother got up and left my bedroom, closing the door behind her. I was scared that I was in trouble though I was reassured by Dave, just smiling, that I wasn't. Later on, my mother came back into my room and sat next to me. She asked me a couple more questions. What did Dave look like? What was he wearing? Did he smell like anything? What did he sound like? I gave my best attempt to describe Dave. I remember he was always dressed nicely, as if he were going to work every day like my dad. The difference was his suit was a dark blue and he always wore a hat and a red tie. I noticed that as I was describing Dave to my mother, tears began to fill her eyes. Now remind you, I'm only six at this point, so seeing my mother crying scared me and made me want to cry as well. My mother gently pushed me to continue, but left immediately when I tried to describe his laughter. A sound that I still hear distinctly even at 22. I wasn't sure why my mom was crying, and I kept apologizing for hurting her feelings. All that was met by her pulling me into a tight hug. It was later that I learned that Dave was the name of my maternal grandfather, who passed away two years before I was born. And what I had described him wearing was what he was wearing at his funeral. Something I couldn't have possibly known. My mother was convinced that Dave, or I guess Papa, was looking over me. Especially since he didn't get the chance to meet me in life. This was the first of many encounters I would have with the other side. I always experienced my grandfather's presence in my time of need such as when my parents divorced or when there was a life-altering decision that needed to be made. He would make himself known by having me smell Old Spice or Cinnamon, two fragrances he was known to wear frequently. Sometimes I would even hear his laughter, just as a gentle reminder that no matter how hard life can get, I was never alone. Dave was very real to Ray even though no one else could see him. So how exactly was Ray seeing him? Did she possibly have hyperphantasia? Which is the condition of having extremely vivid mental imagery to the point where it feels like what you're visualizing is truly there. But she had no previous knowledge of her grandfather's name or what he looked like. In the end, Ray's mother didn't need to see Dave for herself to believe that he was there. Is there anything in your life that you might be missing out on just because you're expecting one specific type of evidence?
1: Yeah, as I started to lean into my spirits more,
0: Here's Charlie again.
1: um, I decided to do some tarot reading. Um, and, and something that I heard from someone else is, is that, you know, really good psychics or really good tarot readers, they have a guide that, like, helps them with things. And I said, okay, guys, um, can you help me pick out cards? And so I would look at the deck and open it up, and they would specifically tell me which card to pick. Um, and I noticed when I started doing that, then rather than just picking out cards on my own, the readings were more accurate. And, and now when I do a, a reading, one of my spirits picks out each card that I pull. And I've been told by a lot of people how spookily accurate they are. And I, I just wasn't getting that when I was just doing it by myself. There's definitely guidance in picking the cards. I think after, you know, just wearing myself out on, on really wanting to see an entity and it not happening, I it made me embrace my strengths. It broke me down to really focus on what was given to me and I really don't have a desire to see an actual apparition now because I can get as much information out of talking to something I can't see than I would actually seeing it.
0: So if you're on a paranormal investigation or just working on your own abilities, pay attention to all types of information you are receiving. What are you hearing? How are you feeling? What do you smell? Clairvoyance is just one way of seeing spirits. Once you discover what your strengths are, you'll have a much easier time developing them. Thanks for joining me today. What unseen things do you communicate with? Send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com storieswithsapphire to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash sapphiresindalo where I post animated spooky stories and more. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Charlie, Jeff, and Ray. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com.